With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the latest episode of Land Grant Holy Lands postseason post-game instant recaps. My name is Matt Tamanini, and today, this was a huge day, both because it was the Big Ten Championship game and Selection Sunday, so I called in both of our heavy hitters, Gene Ross and Connor Lamans. Gene, thanks for joining us. Good to be here. And Connor, uh, we couldn't do this without you, so thanks for uh, popping on as well. Absolutely. We are a, a little later than we have been after the other games in terms of um, after the final uh, buzzer goes off, because we wanted to wait and see what shook out from Selection Sunday and get a full lay of the land in terms of the entire 68-team NCAA tournament. We will be talking about where Ohio State is in the bracket and what we think might be happening from there. But first, we're going to talk about one of the most entertaining games that we've seen in a Big Ten championship game for a while. And, you know, there will not be any uh, F-bombs being dropped at the top of this show because while we did get a stellar example of the uh, hashtag Ohio State basketball experience. I think for me, guys, that game, especially going down by a huge amount early in the game, uh, I think all Ohio State fans, Chris Holtman, his entire team, have to be proud um, of the effort that that team turned out without Kyle Young, without EJ Liddell playing his best. Um, I think everybody's got to be super excited about the fight that they showed uh, against Illinois, Gene. Yeah, it was definitely encouraging moving forward, and obviously they didn't come back and get the W, but from how bad they started to not not crumble against a team as good as Illinois and get their way back into that game and make it a one-point game, one point, and then they had a two-point lead in the second period. So it, w- it was good to see them battle back. It's got to be encouraging moving forward for the tournament. It'll give them, even though they lost, they'll still have momentum moving forward, knowing that they could beat some of these teams even without a guy like Kyle Young, who is a- almost one of the most important guys on this roster. And it was good to see, you know, EJ Liddell didn't have a great game, but Dwayne Washington Jr. was yeah. amazing in this game. He had a career high 32 points and, you know, he really balled out. He he kind of willed his team to to try to get a win there at the end, but it just it came up a little bit short. And, you know, overall, there's a lot of positives to take away from this game. It's it's tough to beat a team like Illinois, who has a seven footer that's as big as Kofi Coburn when your tallest player is like six, seven. So overall, it was a good game, even though they lost. And it was, you know, it was an entertaining Big Ten championship, to say the least. Yeah, Ohio State ended up falling 91 to 88 in overtime. But that just the fact that they got it that close at all is a huge accomplishment because at at the 945 mark in the first half. So 10 minutes and 15 seconds into the game. Illinois was already up by 17 points. However, Ohio State continued to fight back and ended up making it a five-point game at halftime. Connor, what spurred the change for Ohio State's fortunes um, in the second half of the first half um, so they were able to kind of get their heads out of the sand and actually start making field goals um, to the point where they were able to cut it to just two possessions going into the locker room? 
Um, obviously Washington was, you know, having himself a game and it looked like, you know, it was in his eyes that he was going to take over that game again and, um, you know, either carry his team to victory or carry them to defeat. And man, he was going crazy. But I think the emergence of justice suing in this game was a huge deal. And, um, obviously Washington jr. And Liddell are your, your big two there. Um, but justice suing has quietly been having a very good season. He's their third leading scorer. Um, and I thought he was huge in this game. He was he was fantastic. I think he had 22 this game, which I don't know if that's his season high, but it probably is. Um, having him as a third option there when Liddell just did not have a good day was just huge for the Buckeyes for them to claw back in that one. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, Justice Suing kind of picked up some of the slack that EJ Liddell um, wasn't able to carry. But if you look at the stat line for Ohio State, it's a bizarre one. Um, uh, Dwayne Washington Jr. led the way with 32 points. He led all scores. He was the only scorer. Uh, well, Justice Suing had 22. They were the only scorers in the game um, above 20. Then you had C.J. Walker with 16. Then you had E.J. Liddell with 12. The rest of the Ohio State team combined for six points. So the scoring was completely concentrated around Washington, Suing, Liddell, and Walker. There were two starters that did not score at all, which when you hear that, you're like, oh, that's really bad. When you hear who they are, maybe not as much of a surprise as Musa Jallo was 0 for 1 from the floor and Justin Arns did not attempt a field goal. Um, they only played a combined 31 minutes. Um, and Gene, you and I talked about this earlier in the week. I get why, especially with Kyle Young out, Arns has to get some minutes. But with the way that defenses are focusing on him when he's in the game and his lack of ability to guard on the defensive end of the floor, um, his minutes seem like like wasted minutes. But um, as you mentioned, Connor, going into the second half, Ohio State really kind of turned things uh, around. They were able to get buckets. And what was especially interesting to me, they started out not by taking shots from deep, trying to get away uh, from Kofi Coburn, but they actually took it into the lane, Gene, and they scored like six of their first eight points in the second half in the paint, which is not what I think you normally would assume against a dominant center like Kofi Coburn. Yeah, I think they realized like pretty soon after their pretty atrocious start that they were going to like they couldn't live at the three point line. Ohio State's a good three point shooting team, but you're not going to be able to score all your points from out there in a game like that. And especially in a game that's going to be as physical as that one was. And so even even though. Illinois has those big trees down there. Ohio State had to be able to play their game. They couldn't let Illinois dictate what they were going to do on offense. And so they just started going back to, you know, getting those inside baskets. We saw some really nice drives to the hoop by Walker and Washington and and uh, Suing. And so everyone really contributed inside, even the guys that were a lot shorter than, you know, someone like Coburn who's standing in the paint at seven foot. So it was good to see them kind of go away from the three-point shot that was not falling in the first half. And then by going inside, it kind of opened up that three-point shot. But yeah, going back to your to your Aaron's point, I, I really like Justin Aaron's. He's obviously a tremendous Same. shooter. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's it's very clear that teams, you know, see him on the floor in the first couple minutes, and they're just sending their guys at him because he just he he's a defensive liability, and it it's unfortunate because you want to have him out there for his three point shooting. But at this point in the year, when these these games are going to be so hotly contested heading into the tournament, I just don't think that his few threes a game are worth the multiple defensive miscues. So it's going to be a tough juggling act for Holtman to to figure out his minutes moving forward. But it'll it'll be an interesting thing to watch for sure. Well, and I think a lot will deter- will be determined in terms of his playing time with whether or not Kyle Young can come back for the NCAA tournament. Uh, Gene, you and I talked about it. 
Connor, you and I talked about it. You, who knows if he's going to be medically cleared um, to, to play next week or not. They did mention on the CBS broadcast that Chris Holtman was hoping to have him back. And of course, I think that's kind of lip service. Of course, you're hoping um, to have him back. But I, I'm not sure what that exactly means. But Connor, it was really interesting to me because you come into this game thinking, Ion DeSumo and Kofi Coburn were going to be the ones to kind of dominate this game. But, but Ohio State really was able to limit the impact of both of them. They both had good games. They both ended up with 16 points. But after the first half, um, Coburn only had five points the rest of the way. Um, and DeSumo only had um, a, a total of nine in the second half and overtime as well. It was really interesting that they were able to force other guys to beat them. Um, I just don't know that they ever expected uh, Georgie Bashanavili to turn into an absolute destroyer down low when Coburn had to go to the bench in foul trouble. Yeah, Illinois is an unbelievably deep team. Um, when we when I did the preseason prediction, I actually I did pick Illinois to win the Big Ten. Um, and if you know if Michigan would have played their full twenty game schedule, maybe Illinois would have won the Big Ten. Maybe not. We'll never know. Um, but before Desumu or Coburn got to Illinois, you had Trent Frazier, you had Jordy Bishanisvili, um, Demonte Williams is the best three-point shooter in the Big Ten by percentage, and he went three or three from beyond the arc today. Um, beyond their two superstars, it's just like Illinois has so many guys that can hurt you. Um, so even if you hold Desumu to you know five of seventeen, it looks like, and Coburn had sixteen, but it looked like Ohio State was being pretty conscious about we're going to follow him every time it looks like he's going to dunk. We're not going to let him get buckets. They just have so much behind those two guys, and and that's why they lost today. It's just Illinois is a very deep team, much deeper than Ohio State. Yeah, they ended up having six guys score in double figures. Uh, Dasunmu, Coburn, and Andre Curbelo all had 16. Then you had DeMonte Williams um, with 13. And then finally rounding it out, Trent Frazier had 10. Um, so they were very well balanced, despite the fact that Ohio State actually played some pretty good defense um, against some of the best players in the country. As we mentioned, they were down by 17 early in the first half. They cut it to five when they went in to the locker room for halftime. But with five minutes and 35 seconds, C.J. Walker hit a really kind of uh, fancy little floating jumper in the lane to uh, put Ohio State up by two points. And then they would give the lead back, unfortunately, to Illinois, and it came down the stretch, but down three points, Justice Suing with 23 seconds effectively went the length of the floor and just kind of imposed his will on the Illinois defense. Not only did he get the bucket, he got fouled as well and completed the old-fashioned three-point play. Uh, we talked about it earlier, guys, but Gene, Justice Suing is really turning into a guy who is indispensable for this team. We had high expectations for him coming into the season, but it took him a while, it seemed, to not only get used to the Big Ten style of basketball, uh, but kind of a different role for him than he was used to uh, playing in Cal, even though he's been at Ohio State for you know two years now after he sat out last season. Um, but what has it been about him down the stretch, Gene, that you think has really made him into a player that Chris Holtman can count on and feels comfortable giving the ball to down three with 23 seconds and just saying, here, go get us a bucket. Yeah. And, you know, at the beginning of the year, I remember the first game, Justice Suing really showed out. We were saying you were tweeting Justice Suing for Heisman. Uh, he <laughs> was having yeah, some, yeah. Great, some great games early in the non-conference. And then once the Big Ten game started, he kind of disappeared. And, you know, people were kind of questioning, you know, whether he was ready for some of that physicality that comes with Big Ten play. But 
over time, we've seen him grow more and more confident. And now at this point in the season, he's he's very confident. He's not shying away from contact. He's he's going in there in the paint. He's taking threes. He's doing a little bit of everything. He's doing well on the defensive end as well. And so especially with Kyle Young out and Ohio State lacking, you know, a lot of size and a, a bunch of forwards that they could expect long minutes from, uh, suing is a huge part of this team. He was he's probably the unsung hero of this game to keep things close because while Washington gets is going to get all the praise for his 32-point outing, those 22 points from from suing were like half the team's rest of the points. So obviously suing is a huge part of what this team does. And with his ability to both you know stretch the floor as a forward because he could shoot and also work his way inside, he's a pretty good ball handler as a as a four as a forward as well. Ohio State had him when all their point guards were hurt. They kind of had him playing the point guard a yeah. little bit too. So he's he's done it all for Ohio State this year, and he's you know he's a he's a really good player and one that Chris Holman's very happy he got through the transfer portal yeah he he went nine for nine from the free throw line which is incredibly clutch in a game like this especially after Ohio State played so many games and so many minutes down the stretch of this Big Ten tournament Connor um, Ohio State did take a one point lead about two minutes and 10 seconds into the overtime but it was very short-lived as about a minute later um, Kofi Coburn hit a pair of free throws to take the lead, and that was all she wrote. C.J. Walker did hit a uh, a pretty impressive three-pointer at the buzzer, so Ohio State actually did end up covering that game, if that matters to you. Um, but, Connor, what was really interesting about this game is that Ohio State looked completely exhausted in the first 10 minutes of this game. Um, they looked like they just were completely outmatched, completely um, out of gas, weren't able to compete, and then they turned it on. But what was interesting is that they never actually looked like they found their legs shooting. Um, Ohio State, for the game, was 8 of 25 from deep, which is not a recipe for success when you're playing a team as good as Illinois. What do you think um, Ohio State can take away from this game Despite being completely worn out, despite playing four heart-stopping games in a row, two of which went to overtime, what do you think they can learn about this game against one of, if not the best team in the country in Illinois, that they can carry forward into the big dance starting on Friday? I think that they can hang with anybody, and they know that now. Um, I think Illinois is, you put up their probably top three teams in the country, Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, and it's not even crazy to say that Illinois might be better than Baylor. they can hang with anybody. They played really good defense in this conference tournament, something that they had not done at the end of the regular season. Um, and that's the main thing is that this was a team that was sliding. People, you know, people were saying maybe a second round exit, um, which totally is still possible in the NCAA tournament. Anything can happen, but um, they look like a totally different team in this conference tournament. Um, today they played great defense on, you know, Kofi and on Desumu and most teams in the NCAA tournament are not going to be as talented as this Illinois team. So, they can hang with anybody, um, and they just looked way more confident today, too. So um, they got out of this tournament more than what they needed to get themselves turned around, I think. Yeah, I love this team. I think that this team is just so much fun to watch despite all the heartache and drama that they can create. But they're just a team without any superstars. They're all hardworking effort guys. Um, it's a really blue collar team. It's a team that in my mind, you can, in my mind is super easy to root for, uh, because you never know who's going to step up in a game. You never know who's going to be the one diving on the floor, looking to make a huge play, uh, just merely out of, um, effort and intensity. Um, I've enjoyed the hell out of watching this team throughout the season. And despite how weird, 
uh, the first three games of the tournament were and how frustrating and, and concerning they were, Gene. Um, this one was still concerning at times, still heartbreaking and, and and heart attack inducing. But you have to take a lot of good away from this game heading into the NCAA tournament. Absolutely. They, the Ohio State showed that they're not going to back down to anyone, no matter how big, no matter how good the opponent is. Um, like I said, you know, being able to fight back from the early hole they put themselves in, not give up, and at one point even take the lead is very impressive. That's a, you know, some of that's on Chris Holman, but a lot of it's on some of the veteran leadership on this team to kind of keep their guys together. I think a lot of that comes in with C.J. Walker, the way he kind of controls the offense whenever he comes in, especially when he comes in off the bench. He seems to just have a calming presence with this team that they kind of move with and they they feed off of, and it it you know they they all they're all getting up for each other. You see these guys going crazy on the bench and somebody hits a three, and they are really entertaining team to watch but I, I did think it was kind of a fitting close to the Ohio State basketball experience to have that game kind of not end the way they wanted to because it'll it'll show them that they can't you, you can't blow like a double digit lead in every game and expect to win every game so to have the Ohio State basketball experience end in defeat maybe a good thing a learning point moving forward for them and you know that they, they'll they have to clean these turnovers up at the end of games if they want to be successful in the NCAA tournament for sure yeah I wasn't going to bring it up I think it was the Purdue game when uh, EJ Liddell really had some really awful plays down the stretch, missing a dunk um, and then two turnovers on back-to-back possessions. He had another one um, in overtime that was not great for him. So hopefully they can kind of get their minds right and get focused on the NCAA tournament because let's be honest, the Big Ten championship game almost never has any impact on the seedings in the NCAA tournament. And I think that is exactly what we saw today because shortly after the end of the Big Ten championship game, We got the bracket reveal, and Ohio State, as kind of expected, is the number two seed in the South region. Again, remember that all of these games are going to be played in and around Indianapolis, so it doesn't really matter what the directional region is. It has much more to do with the uh, with the matchups in your region. This is the South or the number two in the South. The number one seed in the South is Baylor, so that would be a potential Elite Eight matchup in uh, uh, in that bracket. The other Big Ten teams that are in this bracket uh, are number nine, Wisconsin, who will open up against North Carolina. They also have Purdue, who Ohio State saw earlier in the tournament, against number 13, uh, North Texas. Purdue is a four seed. But Ohio State will open up the tournament on Friday. Now, you might think, oh, good, they get the extra day of rest. Ah, but not so fast, my friend. This year's NCAA tournament, the round of 64 is going to be played on Friday the 19th and Saturday the 20th, meaning the round of 32 will be played on Sunday the 21st and Monday the 22nd. A little difference there from previous years. I'm not exactly sure what the purpose of that was, um, but maybe just to not worry about too much congestion in Indianapolis for people who are working as much. But Ohio State will open up on Friday against basketball powerhouse Oral Roberts. Um, We do not yet have a time or location for that, but that will be announced in the coming days. Um, Should Ohio State beat Oral Roberts and uh, avoid the 15-2 upset, they will play the winner of Florida, number 7, and number 10, Virginia Tech. Now, Connor, I saw you mention on Twitter that you are actually uh, a fan of this. You think this is a good draw um, for Ohio State. I will admit that I have watched nary a second of Florida of Virginia Tech basketball uh, this season. So tell me why this shakes out pretty well for Chris Holtman's Buckeyes. 
Yeah, well, obviously, as the two seed, you're going to start out with a 15. And I'm trying to Google it real quick to see how many times the two. Okay, here we go. 15 seeds all time are eight and 132 um, against the 15 seed. So obviously, um, nothing's a given, but I would pretty confidently take Ohio State through the first game. And then you've got Florida and Virginia Tech. Um, have not watched a whole lot of Virginia Tech this year, I will admit. Um, I have watched a little bit of Florida um, with Keontae Johnson before Keontae Johnson obviously um, yeah. had that episode back in December or January. Um, they were like a national title contender. Um, and after they lost him, it, it just was not the same team. They're still a very talented team, but that kind of took some wind out of their sails there. Um, they bounced back a little bit towards the end of the season, but Ohio State matches up well with Florida, and I have not watched a whole lot of Virginia Tech, but they're just, you know, the ACC was not a great conference this year. Um, and Virginia Tech, the 10 seed that come out of the ACC, I think Ohio State has a pretty good walk to the Sweet 16, knock on wood. And then from there, you know, we'll see what happens. But at least those first two games, I think that Ohio State got a pretty good draw. And their region with Baylor being the one seed, getting Baylor instead of Gonzaga, if they were to get that far, is also huge. Yeah, the uh, Oral Roberts was the number four seed in the Summit League tournament, and they actually got their berth by going out and winning the conference tournament. So they were the automatic qualifier from the Summit League. They are 16 and 10 on the season. They are uh, scoring 81.8 points per game, which is 12th nationally, but they also give up 76 points, which is 293rd nationally. So I think there's a fairly good chance that Ohio State and Oral Roberts or Bob Mouth, if you want to call him that, um, will put up a ton of points in their game. Uh, on Friday. So that should be at least entertaining and exciting and, and potentially a game where um, we see a lot of points scored. Looking at the two teams that Ohio State could potentially match up against in the round of 32, um, the Florida Gators did end up finishing fifth in the SEC. They are 14-9 and nine on the season. Um, their numbers are a little bit more uh, average. 74 points per game scored, 69.8 points um, allowed per game. And then over in the ACC, as you said, Connor, Virginia Tech was third in the ACC with a 15-6 and six record, scoring 72.1 points per game, but only allowing 65.5. Um, it should be interesting. It should be something that I think Ohio State fans should feel pretty good about going in there. Um, Gene, as you look at this bracket in totality, we said Ohio State's got a fairly favorable draw. I thought it was pretty obvious. Connor, you and I both tweeted something uh, at basically the exact same time, saying that once we saw that Baylor was the uh, was the number one seed in the South, we knew Ohio State was probably going to be the number two, having already seen Iowa and Gonzaga matched up in the West, because we knew that both Michigan and Illinois would end up being number one seeds, Michigan in the quote-unquote East, and Illinois in the quote-unquote Midwest. Um, as you kind of scroll through the rest of this, what jumps out to you, Gene, from the rest of this bracket? Is it the MSU Spartans presented by Rocket Mortgage uh, facing off against UCLA in the first four. Um, is it something else uh, matched up in there? Is it Rutgers finally making the tournament for the first time in program history? Aside from Ohio State's matchups, what are you seeing when you scroll through the uh, the 68 teams in the bracket? So just to start with Ohio State's region, Ohio State was actually the number six overall seed, so the second highest number mm -hmm. two seed behind Alabama. They're actually ahead of Iowa, so that's, that's kind of that's a little surprising, but either way. 
Ohio State's region has a lot of interesting teams in it with some lower seeds. Uh, you got number eight, North Carolina, that could make a run if they get hot. They definitely got the guys to do it, but they probably haven't played up to the level they should this season. Uh, number five, Villanova, isn't quite the same team without Colin Gillespie with his injuries, so it's going to be interesting to see how they play. And I don't know if there's anybody in this region Ohio State wants to avoid more than number four, Purdue. I don't think they want to play them again with the way that the first three games have gone, but... <laughs> It'd be interesting if Purdue, you know, Purdue would have to obviously beat Baylor or whoever made it out of the top to get there. So that's a long way off. Uh, I think number six, Texas Tech, is another interesting team in that region that can make a little bit of a run with Matt McClung and those guys. Uh, but otherwise, in the region, there are some, you know, there's a lot of interesting matchups. I think the 12-5 matchup between Georgetown and Colorado is very interesting. I don't think the Pac-12 has been very good at all this year, and Georgetown is the hottest team in the Big East right now. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's one to look out for. Um. Other than that, uh, a Cleveland State over Houston, a 15-2 matchup. Cleveland State with a little <laughs> juice at the end of the year. That could be a nice little little fun uh, Ohio upset there for you. But, you know, other than that, it, it seems like a pretty good bracket. There's a lot of fun matchups. Uh, the 8-9 games are all pretty good. I love that playing game between Michigan State and UCLA. That'll be one of the, probably the best playing games we've seen in quite a while. And so, you know, every day has a good game. It's a tournament. I'm, I'm glad we have it this year than when we didn't last year. So even if it was the worst bracket in the world, I'm sure basketball fans everywhere would be happy just to have something this year. Yeah, you mentioned, obviously, Ohio State and Cleveland State. Ohio is also in the tournament with Jeff Bowles winning the the MAC tournament. They are number 13 seed. They will be taking on the absolutely glacially moving Virginia Cavaliers um, as a number four seed. So that should be uh, a good one to root for. Uh, the former Ohio State longtime assistant. Um, Connor, what about you? What stands out for you in this bracket? Well, first of all, in Virginia, I kind of want to jump in. Um, wouldn't surprise me if Virginia has to step out of the tournament, actually, because this week they did have a positive oh, COVID right. test. They had to drop out of the ACC tournament, and they just said we're exploring all options to still participate in the tournament. So it looks like um, they slotted Virginia in, but how they're going to do the subs in, basically, is they they listed out the standby teams, which – do they list him on the bracket? I don't know. It's not um, on the bracket, they but they talked about him on CBS. It's Louis- it's Louisville, St. Louis, Colorado State, and there was one other. I can't remember. But basically, if Virginia cannot play and they make that determination before Tuesday, one of those teams um, who obviously, if their next four in, would not have gotten a four seed at all, will be taking that four seed spot. Um so that could potentially happen. That's just in, an interesting wrinkle with yeah. you know this year. But how that I think Ohio real, State, real quick, let me jump in here. How that works is the first four out in order were Louisville, Colorado State, St. Louis, and Ole Miss. If a team does drop out and they are from a multi-bid league, they will go in that order, Louisville, Colorado State, St. Louis, and Ole Miss, to replace them. If a team drops out that is a one-bid league, the runner-up or another team from that conference will jump in. So this is bracketing in the time of COVID. Um, Everything's a little different, a little bit wonky. So if Virginia does not play, since there are other teams from the ACC and the tournament, that means Louisville will take that number four spot to match up against the Ohio Bobcats. So sorry for cutting you off, Connor. Go ahead and, and continue with your point. Oh, no, you're good. Um, and then Ohio State, another region, I think Gene actually kind of hit on it too. Ohio State's a region that looks pretty friendly to them right now, which probably go back in a week and a half, and if they lose, I'd look like a big dummy here. But um, some of the other higher-seeded teams in their bracket are very guard-oriented teams, which is what Ohio State wants. They don't want to play a four-seed like Purdue that's sent around a big guy. So Arkansas, the three-seed, um, Moses Moody, Justin Smith, 
couple of really good guards there. Same with Texas Tech, Mac McClung. They're a very guard-oriented team. Villanova's the five seed up there. Um, and as you know, we've seen the last week or two, Villanova's falling apart because of injuries. Um, you know, I don't. I would not want to see Purdue again. But it's some of those higher-seeded teams that Ohio State could see in the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. Um, they're all very guard-oriented. They don't have a, a dominating big man, which is what Ohio State is going to need if they're going to keep advancing. So that's another reason. A reason I like the corner that Ohio State is in. Yeah, uh, Arkansas is an interesting team. Coming out of the SEC, they finished second in the SEC with a 22-6 and record uh, behind Alabama, who, as we said, was the overall number five seed. But um, before losing in the conference tournament to LSU, um, they had won nine straight games um, from the last eight of the regular season and uh, one in the conference tournament. So they are a team that has been winning down the stretch, including beating uh, Alabama by 15 uh, on the 24th of February. So this is a team who um, is on a roll. And if they do end up playing Ohio State, um, I guess that would be in the Sweet 16, right? Um, they could be a team that would be a lot of fun to see the Buckeyes match up against. Um, Gene, we've talked a lot about the strength of the Big Ten this season. This is obviously the best conference in the country. They led the way with nine teams in the tournament. No other conference had more than seven. Um, if you had to put a guess on it, looking at the brackets real quick, obviously we haven't had time to, to fill in our brackets or anything, but if you had to guess how many teams from the Big Ten are still playing on the quote-unquote second weekend, which will actually start um, on Saturday the 27th? Uh, well, just go in kind of an order of the way they're on the bracket here. I think Wisconsin's out first round. I think I don't know how they're a nine. They've been I don't like anything about Wisconsin, really. Uh, Purdue obviously can make a little bit of a run. We've seen how good they could play when they're on their best. And if they draw Villanova, who's pretty beat up, that they could certainly advance past the second round. Uh, Ohio State's obviously, you know, they have Oral Roberts, which should be a, a walkover. And then they could easily beat Florida or Virginia Tech. Uh, moving on, Illinois is, you know, Illinois is one of the best teams in the country. I can't see them losing yeah. before then. Uh, Rutgers and Clemson's an interesting game. I could Rutgers could go either Rutgers way. Is Rutgers is my favorite team in the first round. I, nothing else. Anything to beat Clemson. I don't care what sport. I don't care the opponent. As long as Clemson loses, I am totally fine with that. I'll certainly be rooting for Rutgers, but I don't know if they'll make it past you know the second game. They could beat Clemson. I'll, I'll see, I'm going to pick them against Clemson just out of respect, but I don't know if they're making it much farther than that. Uh, Maryland UConn's interesting game. James Book Knight at UConn's a lot of fun to watch. I, I'm kind of hoping UConn makes a little bit of a run there, so I won't be too upset if Mark Turgeon and his boys uh, lose in the first or second Absolutely. round. Uh, uh, MSU obviously is a play-in, and then they they draw BYU. So I think if MSU wins that play-in game, they could certainly make a little bit of a run here because I don't think BYU is anything super crazy or unbeatable from them. And Michigan State, as we've seen, you know they beat the Buckeyes late in the year. They're not the worst team in the world when, they're, when their guards are in shots. Yeah, they, hit, they beat yeah, Michigan, Michigan as well. And Michigan. So they'd have to face the winner of Texas and Abilene Christian um, in the uh, round of 32 to make it to the Sweet 16. Yeah, and, you know, Texas has been up and down this year, but they finished strong, and so we'll see what happens there. And then, obviously, you know, Michigan's a team like Illinois that I can't see losing before, you know, the Elite Eight. So, you know, a, a good amount could be on the second weekend. I'd be, I wouldn't be i would be surprised if we see two Big Ten teams 
in the final four. Yeah. We also had uh, Iowa who would have to play Grand Canyon in the opening round and then the winner of Oregon and VCU. So I'm assuming we can chalk them into the Sweet 16 as well. Um, But Connor, let's kind of wrap up uh, with this um, before I have like one parting shot for both of you. Continuing on this idea of the fact that the Big Ten is the best conference in the country, you mentioned that Ohio State more favorably matches up with teams that do not have big men. But they've played and beaten some of the best big men in the country. So what is the thing that separates the Big Ten from the rest of college basketball this season? Is it the size? Is it the strength? Is it the depth? Um, Obviously, we know, again, they had the most teams in the tournament. But what's the style of Big Ten basketball that can most prepare the conference's teams for deep runs in this tournament? Man, that's a that's a very hard question to answer. I don't know if there is one thing that you can really point at. And I also, at this point, I don't know if the Big Ten is the hands-down best conference in basketball. Now that we've gotten to this point, I think the Big 12 has a really good argument of being the best conference just because some of those middle teams that we thought were good in the Big Ten kind of fallen off, like your Maryland and your Indiana and Michigan State. Um, so I would not argue with somebody if they told me the Big 12 was the best conference at this point. Okay. However... The Big Ten, I think that they're just they're a little top heavy. I think that they have, you know, Illinois, Iowa, Ohio State, um, Michigan are all Final Four caliber teams. I don't think that the Big Twelve has four Final Four caliber teams, but I think that the Big Twelve has probably seven or eight Sweet Sixteen caliber teams, which the Big Ten doesn't. Um, and the Big Ten just has, you know, they have a few of the best centers, the few best big men in the country, and most teams don't have a guy that can match up with a Luca Garza um, or a Kofi Coburn. So. I don't know. I don't have one straight answer for that. It's a tough question, but I would push back and say that the Big Ten may not be the best conference in basketball at this point. Interesting. All right. That is not a uh, the consensus uh, opinion there, but that's why we come to you, our basketball expert, Connor. Um, all right. So, again, I've said we have not had time to fill out our entire brackets Um, and I'm just going to, I'm not going to put you on the spot and say, where's Ohio state going to end up because, um, we're all homers and we would like to say that they're going to make the, uh, win the national championship, but this is non-binding. You will have plenty of time to change it. And maybe we'll do a story later this week with everybody's, uh, brackets included, but looking at the brackets and not doing any research, I want to know. What both of you think will be the Final Four and National Championship game and winner? Um, Off the top of your heads, again, non-binding. I'm not going to hold you to this, but just your gut reactions. I'm interested to hear what you think. Uh, Gene, let's start with you. All right. This is this is going to be tough on the spot as a first look, but let, let's run through it. So I think, you know, Gonzaga's region isn't very hard, and I also think Gonzaga is the clear best team in the country. I mean, obviously they went undefeated, and, and you know, uh, Gonzaga has this, this – uh, kind of this track record of falling apart in the tournament. But I, I think this Gonzaga team is legit. They've got like a crazy good roster. I think they had four all Americans like in their starting five. So they're pretty they're pretty nuts. I think they're gonna sweep their way easily to the final four. Uh, I'm gonna pick Ohio State in their region just because why not? Uh, they got a favorable region. I, I'm not really super worried about Baylor. I know Baylor is a good team, but if you're gonna get one of these one seeds, I think that's who Ohio State would want out of all the four. Uh, I'm going to pick Illinois as well, just because that, that's how I get my two Big Ten teams in there. People probably thought I meant Michigan and Illinois, but I meant Ohio State and Illinois. So those are two Big Ten Final Four teams. And then I am going to pick anyone to beat Michigan. So let's see who I could pick here. 
let's 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 take James Booknight and UConn to make a run in the tourney. He's gonna he's gonna Kemba Walker his way to the Final Four. Okay. Uh, so then from there, I think Gonzaga. You get a, a Gonzaga. Let's get a Gonzaga Ohio State national championship. We know Ohio State and Gonzaga's history. And, yeah. you know, much like today's game against Illinois, I think Gonzaga just pulls it out in the end and comes out on top and they finish an undefeated season. Wow. That's some uh, that's some cojones there from Gene. Uh, that is why you are one of our co-managing editors. So I respect that a lot. Connor, what do you got? Oh, boy. All right. I'm going to be probably a lot less flavorful than he was there. Um, I do agree with Gonzaga. I think that they're the best team in the country. I think they're maybe the best team of the past 10 or 20 years. So um, I will write them into the final four immediately um, for Michigan's region. After losing livers, they're not the same team. They, they were, they deserved a one seed because of their total resume. Yeah. Um, but they're not the best team in that region. Alabama is an absolute juggernaut as well. If you haven't watched Alabama this year, they're super fun. Um, I would actually take two seed Alabama out of that corner. Um, Illinois, um, I actually like three seed West Virginia in that region quite a bit. So I, off the top of my head, I would throw West Virginia into the final four and be careful with the Loyola and Georgia Tech. Um, the winner of that game, Georgia Tech kind of got screwed in this bracket. They just won the ACC tournament. They've been a really good team all year long. They've got the ACC player of the year. So I think Illinois probably beats Georgia Tech, but watch out for that one. I'll take West Virginia in that corner. And then up in Ohio State's region, um, wouldn't be shocked if they got to the elite eight against Baylor, but I would scoot Baylor in. Um, and then you got to pick Gonzaga versus Alabama. I'd take Gonzaga there. And then I got to go Baylor too. So I'll probably go just boring chalk Gonzaga over Baylor in the final game. But, um, give me West Virginia and Alabama out of the bottom two corners. All right. That's fair. Look, the safe, smart thing to do always when picking uh, your bracket is go as much chalk as humanly possible. Um, I know it's more fun to pick upsets, but um, chalk all, you know, you're going to have upsets in the first few rounds that nobody is going to predict properly. Um, but when it comes down to it, chalk is always going to, uh, uh, to carry the way I am going to uh, throw mine out as well. I agree with you guys that um, uh, we are most likely going to see Gonzaga go all the way to the uh to the final four i am going to go a little bit out of left field in the east um i'm not going to go michigan obviously because of because of livers uh being out alabama's great but after the national championship game i'm not going to give them that i'm actually going to go with despite the fact that connor said the acc has not been great this year i'm going to go with florida state coming out of that side of the bracket they are the number four seed i will take them going over to the midwest region um i think illinois is quite possibly the best uh, team in the country. They might be better than Gonzaga. Um, I think that they will end up playing um, Houston, a team that Ohio State saw in the tournament a couple years ago, in the Elite Eight. But I think Illinois is just too big and just too strong. So I think they will make the Final Four. And look, I'll, I'll be a homer. I don't care. I'll take Ohio State in the Final Four. Um, I will take Ohio State over Illinois. Um, they will uh, even up that season series, um, so it, uh, they will win that game. And then I'll take Gonzaga to uh, knock off the Seminoles. And what the hell? Why not? Kyle Young is back. I'm taking Ohio State to win the national championship. Let's do it. Again, not binding. I, you know. For money, I might not do that. I might not do that if I'm do if I'm if I'm playing in a uh, in a pool for money. But nonetheless, 
it's on a podcast. Nobody's going to hold me to it. And if they do, who cares? Um, so I've got Ohio State. Um, I think both of you said Gonzaga, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm the only one that has any guts. I get it. It's totally fine. We had, we had the same title game. Yeah, that's true. You were just wrong in who you let picked me, uh, let to me win just, it off. Let me just remind you guys about the, the football preseason predictions. You know, I roll with Alabama in football. That's true. You did. I will, uh, I will roll with them in basketball. And uh, just remember this. Uh, we'll just remember this this moment here because I think that Alabama is going to run through that region. I think that's um, even though I can't stand I can't stand that school in general. But yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I I understand your thinking there. But all right, everybody, that's what we've got. We will have tons of NCAA tournament coverage both on the site and in the podcast over this next coming week. Ohio State again will play on Friday. We don't yet know when or where, but when we do, we will let you know somewhere via Land Grant Holy Land, either on social media or on the website. All right, thanks again for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Land's postseason instant recap podcast coverage. If you are finding this episode on our website, landgrantholyland.com, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are by far bringing you the most unique and varied perspectives in the entire Ohio State podcasting universe, for better or for worse, so don't miss out. And also, don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33. You can find me at BWWMatt. Gene, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Gene underscore Ross 23 and, of course, writing at Land Grant Holy Land. Connor, what about you, man? Twitter is at Lamans. That's under that's uh, L E M O N S underscore Connor. Um, and as well, you know, don't just follow me. Follow the main account. Follow Lane Grant thirty three because that's where the good stuff's actually coming from. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks. Yeah.